0: Memo is the nothing personal word of the day. It is Thursday, March twenty third, two thousand twenty three. We're in the middle of palindrome week. I don't know if you focused on that, but three twenty three twenty three is the same backwards and forwards. And wait for it, so is three twenty four twenty four. I think it started 3-20-23, but maybe it was three twenty one twenty three. Palindrome. That should have been the word of the day, Coca. We're making it memo. MLB sends memos all the time. They get reported on, they get leaked. I always used to like when Bud Selig would, this is off the subject a little bit, Coca, sorry. Right off the top of the show. A memo would go out and it would be given actually during an owner's meeting. You'd be sitting in your seat and then out would come people who work for baseball and they would pass it out. Everyone's in long tables, like 12 long tables and you're sitting next to a different team each time. And they would hand out a memo, and then Selig would say from the dais, where it'd be him and Tom Ostertag and Bob DuPay and other people running baseball. And he would say, well, I wonder how long it is until Blum gets it. Blum is the, uh, Ron Blum is a Horstman graduate and still a writer for the AP. And there was a view of baseball that everything that was sent got leaked to him or others. And so, Sometimes he would say, why don't we just send the memo directly to the effing media? Bud would say that often as well. So memo, it's common in baseball. That's how you communicate. And there is a title to each memo. Some memos are to owners and presidents. Some are to owners, presidents, and GMs. Some are only to GMs and presidents farm directors and scouting directors, development people. So depending on the subject matter, that is the heading of the memo. That makes perfect sense. But some things need to be disseminated across all levels of the organization. That was the whole issue with the Astros, that the claim was by the bench coach, by the manager, by the players, is we had no idea that hitting garbage cans wasn't allowed. Don't forget to read And by winning fixes everything. Who would know this? The book by Evangelic. Who would know this? It is true that when you get a memo in any job you have and you are responsible for people, you are a manager, you're in management, people report to you. If you get information from someone above you, you've got to disseminate that information to people below you. It seems intuitive, does it not? So MLB was leaking out, Evan had a tweet or there was some sort of breaking news about rule, potential rule changes. And we did a whole segment yesterday. Well, lo and behold, the memo came out and it was, wait for it, full Shakespeare. And I don't mean like tragedy and comedy and Romeo and Juliet. There was no Shylock involved. It was much ado about nothing. But there were a few notes in there that I think you'd be interested in. I would say eight to 10 times a year, I would get a call or an email or an office call. Even back when I was there, you actually got office calls instead of cell phone calls. There would be a request by someone in the community. Hey, my daughter or my son would like to be a ball boy. The good news is I got to say, or ball girl, whatever the case, we call them, bat boys, ball girls, etc. Now, in theory, a bat boy is someone who is in the dugout who has a bat ready if a bat breaks. Think of the natural Robert Redford, and they have to bring new, new, old, dirty balls to the home plate umpire. You've got ball boys and ball girls who are up the line they're the ones that you see that sometimes get in the way of the play and they're supposed to get foul balls if they careen uh off the uh wall the side wall then they go into the field and they get the ball and they are told not to throw it into the stands we always would say we don't throw balls into the stands because we don't want anyone to get hurt what it really was is We don't want to lose the $19 that every ball was, or $10 or $14, whatever it was. It started at $5 and went up during the course of the career. So there were very simple rules. Don't give balls away. Looking back, that was so mean. What's the difference? But it adds up. So it sounds terrible, right? But we'd give some balls. We'd tell players to give balls to the fans at the end of the third out, but don't whip them into the stands because of lawsuits but some players still would whip them in the stands and we'd get angry. So you've got bat boys and ball girls doing all sorts of jobs. And you get a a letter or a phone call saying, please, my, my son just wants to do it. And once in a while you say yes, depending on A, their level of importance in the community, B, whether or not they're team sponsors, C, whether or not you're close to them, D, whether or not there's any upside in revenue to saying yes. Those were the factors that would go in. It wasn't about anything other than that. Do we have to say yes, do we not? So part of this memo actually discussed the actions of ball boys and ball girls, which is so funny because the purpose of the memo was simply to disclose what we are doing regarding pitch clock violations. There is some confusion that exists. When a ball is called, when a strike is called, is a batter ready, is a pitcher ready? Because as the regular season approaches one week from today, one week from today is opening day. Amazing. When do umpires make the call of a ball or a strike or what they're calling a pitch clock violation? So there is now a new standard according to the memo for what bat boys and bat girls and how quickly they have to retrieve equipment from the field how quickly they have to get a ball that's on the field. Equipment on the field is, have you ever seen a guy hit a double and then they've got equipment on their leg and on their elbow that they use for hitting and then they take the equipment off, they call time, they take the equipment off and then you see a boy or a girl run to second base and get the equipment and then run back. Well, what teams would do if they were smart is they would have the ball boy just do a little prancing. Not running, just a saunter. A little maybe trot, but that's it. No galloping. We would say do not gallop because that gives our pitcher some time, our hitters some time. It slows down the game. Or you tell them to run fast and get off the field if you're trying to get the pitcher to go again because it's the offense who's doing this. And did you know that the home team supplies the ball boys for both sides? So you talk to the ball boys before the game in theory and you say, hey, Here's what we want you to do strategically. Well, now MLB sent a memo which says, nope, not allowed to do it. And on top of that, the league said in this memo, we are going to evaluate the performance of Bat Boys and Bat Girls. Now that makes me laugh. Do they have that much time? Is there going to be someone in New York looking at the video, zeroing in that? Ball boy to second base was 4.6 seconds. The average is 3.9 seconds. Therefore, that bat boy is in violation. Get rid of him. Can you imagine the insanity of that phone call? Hey, uh, David, you will not believe what happened. I, and I'd say to the GM, well, what he got? He said, we got to fire John And Why? Oh, because he didn't get to second base fast enough. We got to get another bat boy. He didn't get to the umpire fast enough the league can actually call the teams and say, get rid of them. Oh my God, I can't even. Then part of the memo was talking about what happens if a batter swings out of his tuchus, falls down, helmet down, they're out of the batter's box and they can't get back in and there's a violation of the eight-second. You have to be ready and engaged with the pitcher. If not, it's a ball. Now, clarification. If you swing and miss, and fall and lose your balance, don't worry. The umpire has discretion to hold off on the eight seconds until you step back in the box. You can gather ye rosebuds as ye may. I was going to say gather ye wits. That would have been funnier. Two, four, nine. Gather ye wits as ye may. Brushback pitches. That was in the memo. That's funny too. If there's a brushback, you know when you fall and there's a brushback? And the hitter has to hurry up and get ready. Now the umpire has discretion. But in this memo, it says that the umpires will use their judgment if you're taking advantage of the brushback or of falling down or losing your balance or anything else. They have the discretion to start the clock and not stop the clock. The players also wanted something else. They wanted the ability like in Little League. When you are the first man up, they wanted the ability to get more time. Well, the whole point of trying to get pace of time and game times lower, pace of action higher, is get your butt off the field, get ready to hit. But the players had called up baseball as part of the competition committee and said, hey, if I catch the ball in center field and I'm leading off, you know, I got to get into the dugout. By the time I get into the dugout, yada, yada, yada. And they said, absolutely not. You have two minutes, 15 seconds, sometimes 2.30. Because if you're going to have to, If you're going to have a hit, you got to make it stick. So we cut it down to 309. Just get off the field and get ready. The whole memo was basically saying to the players, we appreciate the fact that you had all these concerns, but we don't care because A, you don't have a vote. Because while you're on the competition committee, you don't have a majority and majority rules. So you can tell us all you want, but we're going to do it how we want it. B, it's only been spring training, it makes no sense to make changes. C, we're happy to clarify in a clarification what we're going to talk about with Bat Boys and Brushbacks and all the different reasons when an umpire can stop a clock. Absolutely. I'm good with it. But what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, you are going to see clarifications come out in memo form throughout the season. All of these rules, Rob Manford basically said it. He said, why would we ever make a change now when the regular season hasn't started? Just wait. And frankly, if you're a team, are you really spending your time trying to game the system on the pitch clock? Hell no. I'm trying to game the system on something way more important. And one of you was on it. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's a segment that we're keeping. We love it. Get into Twitter, David P. Samson. Hit follow, subscribe on the YouTube channel, ask questions wherever you can. If we like it, it'll be in the show. A better question. This came from someone who asked several questions and it turns out that the better question was the one that's made the show. So well done. You knew your questions. A better question. And the Hello David had come before that because I do like the Hello Davids otherwise it's likely your question won't get chosen. Can you walk us through the thought process of a front office when it comes to service time manipulation versus putting a better player or a player with a better future on the field? So we have discussed service time manipulation. This is show 779 of regular, nothing personal. There has been plenty of discussion on this subject in mailbag episodes. But the reason why I like bringing this back to the forefront is A, whoever asked this question may not have heard the back catalog, no problem. But B, when opening day is one week away, this is all that's being discussed within front offices. That's it. It is who's going to be on the roster and who's not. And the media and all of the bloggers and all of the analytics people and all of the people who don't work for Teams who think that they absolutely know everything about everything are looking at spring training and saying, this guy needs to be on the team like Oprah Winfrey. That guy needs to be on the team. This guy, and you've got the union who's going crazy. You've got to put your 26 best players on. Do you remember the collective bargaining agreement? When that huge change was made that I told you wouldn't mean a thing and everyone said, no, no, this is addressing service time manipulation. If someone gets brought up late and they are in the top three in rookie of the year or Cy Young something like that then they get the full year of service so you might as well bring the guy up to start with anyway and I told you that not one team would take that into account if you bring a guy up in May or in June and he ends up winning rookie of the year or getting the full year of service time tip the cap way to go But the odds are that you bring a guy up in May or June, they're not gonna be in the top three for Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, whatever the case is, and you have manipulated their service time and kept them for an extra year. Delayed arbitration for a year. You bring a player up mid-June, you are saving millions of dollars, millions. Is it worth it? You're damn right it is, every time. Are there examples when a top rookie will make a club? The Yankees are thinking about it right now. Hal Steinbrenner's consulting with Aaron Judge right now. G-M-A-B. Aaron, what do you think of Anthony Volpe? Do you think that he can handle being a pro? Do you think we should have him as our starting shortstop? Come on. I appreciate the fact that you signed him to a 360, 420, whatever it was, million dollar extension. I appreciate that he's the captain. He's your guy, first captain since Derek Jeter. You're gonna consult him on service time manipulation issues? Of course he's gonna say, bring him, baby. We want our best 26 guys because he's an employee. Every two weeks, he's getting paid. It doesn't matter what your payroll is, what your luxury tax is. He doesn't care one iota. Players will care if teams declare bankruptcy, I'll tell you that, but they're not going to. So players get paid. It just makes me smile. We say that when we send a player down, we are sending the player down for a reason, whether it's to help his offense, help his defense, help his maturity. The Cardinals, with that guy, Jordan Walker, they're deciding what to do with him. Everyone thinks you should see him. He's Adonis, but everyone should say, hey, he deserves to be up. Had that great start of the spring, hurt his shoulder, he's lost a bit of power. No one's looking at spring training performance and deciding what they're doing with their number one prospect, a guy who's in the top 10 in all of MLB. If he hits one for 40 or 30 for 40, it doesn't change what your view is about him making your roster. Jordan Walker hasn't played a game above AA. There is no reason for him to start the season with the Cardinals. None. You can't win a pennant in April, and they're not going to lose the pennant in April. The Cardinals won't. You look at your division, you look at your competition. If you're the Yankees and you know that you've got a bunch of $30 million players, you don't think it's in the best interest of your team to try to take someone who you believe is going to be a centerpiece of your team and delay arbitration for a year, keep them for a full seventh year? Of course you do. The Cardinals are the same they look at their division, they look at the Brewers and they say, you know what, I think we're good. There's still talk about whether Walker will make the team or Volpe will make the team. I like the teams who come out and say it. The Mets did it with their catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Sent him out. See you later. He had a pretty good quote, actually. He said the first thing that came to mind was I needed to go back down there and work hard and prove myself so they can call me back up eventually. Hell yeah, that's the kind of player I want on my team. Don't Corbin burns it and start complaining about the team and start saying this is no fair, cry manipulation and sort of stir the pot of that. Go down and do your job and make it impossible. That's what I would always say to the young players or to even older players when you send them out in the middle of the season. Make it so we have to bring you back. You're in charge. I like that Alvarez said that. The Reds optioned their top prospect, Ellie de la Cruz. You know, we never would send our manager to, this, to talk about that. I don't know why David Bell was forced to talk about that by the Castellini father-son duo. I really don't it's not right. It's not up to the manager. For the managers who say that it's their decision on who makes the team and who doesn't, they're aligned to you. The managers, we bring them in. You sit them at the table, maybe. You think Aaron Boone says to Brian Cashman, we're taking Volpe. Come on. Of course he's not. GMs, presidents, and owners are making those decisions, period. But when you do that, we would always have our GM meet the media. That's who's going to talk about what we're doing. We don't leave it to the manager because it's not right. Did we violate that from time to time? Depending on what we thought of the manager, maybe we did. Could the manager handle it? David Bell was forced to say the following, there are a lot of factors that go into this service time manipulation. This is the major leagues. It's about winning games. Well, clearly, When you don't put your best 26 guys on the roster, it's not just about winning games. So we would not want our manager to say it's about winning games when we're a team that may lose 100 games. Yes, we have all our players and want to put them in the best position we can, but it's about winning. The Reds lost a hundo last year, and the odds are they're going to be in position to lose a hundo again. Is anyone choosing the Reds, Coca? What is their Pakota prediction? Do we know what they're supposed to win? given the fact that the season's already been played, all the simulations have been drawn out. I'm just curious what their over-under is on games. My guess is it's 74, 75. That'd be a big improvement. He then went on to say, David Bell did, that I'm around these players every day. I have conversations with them. Today wasn't his day. It was just determined from all the different factors that it's in his best interest and the best interest of our team for him to go play at least a little bit more. Okay. You understand that that's ridiculous, right? The Reds over under is 65 and a half games. If you know that you're not going to be good, guess what you do? You do not start the clock early on a player. If your team is supposed to win 94 games, why would you start the clock early on a player? Yes, that's Mets and Yankees. Why would you do it? It's irresponsible to do it. So the thought process of a front office is actually simple. It is purely money-related. If there are no options, and I don't mean an option to send a player to the modern leagues, I mean no other choices, and you have to have Jordan Walker as your DH, or you have to have Volpe as your shortstop, or you have to have Alvarez as your starting catcher, if that is the case, then obviously you're going to put him on your team. But the reality is that there's always options and choices. Good try by MLB, by the way, to change the, to change it. Good try by the union to try to get teams to act differently. But it's simply, simply not working. Did you think it would? All right, when we come back, can we go to break now? Is it the right time, Coca? I think we can. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a movie that is called Money Shot. And then we're going to talk about what happened in the Mavericks game last night. Because let me tell you something. I've never seen anything like it. And basketball is my jam, spaceman. I love the NBA. You know I always have. It was my first love. Never seen anything like it, ever. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. Matthew Coca and I are with you 5 days a week. Thank you for rating reviewing, telling your friends about us. Pay attention today. Pay attention. It's going to be one hell of a day. Watch a movie every day. This so is why I will by, by the way, with everything going on in my life and in Coca's life, there is one thing that I can guarantee you. Coke is going to go see John Wick the first second he can, and I'm going to watch a movie today. No matter what, it ends in why don't it? Can I talk about this on a CBS podcast? That I watched Money Shot, the Pornhub story on Netflix? I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Woo-hoo. For all of you who don't know what Pornhub is, I got nothing more to say. For all of you who do know what Pornhub is, it is a printer of money. They finally did a documentary about it and they found the only name possible for such a documentary it is a it is the name of a movie that people will say what does that mean and then they'll look and say oh i know what that means but i don't want to say i know what that means because then you're going to think that there's some sort of stigma attached to me i've never seen a topic that has more stigma than masturbation right everybody is oh we can't talk about that we can't talk about porn Let me be clear, when it comes to child sex trafficking or underage children engaged in sexual activity that they should not be engaged in, obviously, and hard stop, those people who do that deserve to be put in jail forever. That said, there's an entire industry of people who are sex workers, voluntary sex workers. In the oldest profession in the world, This is a movie about sex workers who are unable to do their job because of government intervention. And on top of that, activities by companies and corporations who make it so they can't do their job. When people pay for online sex, pay to go into a chat room, pay to go into a whatever kind of room where you can open the curtain and all of a sudden there's someone there, a peep showroom. You pay for it with a credit card. When credit cards are no longer allowed to be taken on the website because the credit card companies say, we don't want to be associated with this company because we suspect there's some sort of sex trafficking going on. It ends up crushing the sex workers. This is a documentary about them. It tells their story. When you finish watching this movie, you will say to yourself something very simple how do we have a company that was based in montreal by the way and now it's moved but it was how do we deal with an industry where there is a legal activity however there is also legal activity are there any other industries like that let me think about it hold on let me think about it pharmaceutical industry huh. the drug industry the illicit drug industry Hmm. what about the car industry Anything in the car industry that's illegal? What about the firearm industry? Hmm, let me think. But there's something about porn and sex that makes people wiggle. You want to watch a movie that's interesting and don't worry, it's not a porn movie, it's a documentary. And it will get you thinking about not just that industry but other industries as well and how it all works. Money shot: the Pornhub story, check it out. I've given plenty of minutes to Mark Cuban on this show. And I have given, I would say, I want to say that the split is probably 69-31 when I've been critical of Mark and how he acts. And I've told you the truth about how he can never own a baseball team because the current owners would not give him the 23 votes. The fact that he gets fined every month the by the NBA for criticizing referees Most of it is absolute horse hockey. Some of it is legit. If you did not see the play in the Mavericks-Warriors game in the third quarter, then get to the video and show it. Can't wait to have the capacity where during a show, we can just show you the video when we're live. Look for that maybe five days a week. Who knows? Let me set it up for you. In basketball... As you may know, there's two baskets. One basket you defend, one basket you attack. Wouldn't it be strange, and let me set this up in a football field where I think you'll get it, because everyone loves the NFL. Or let me set it up in a baseball field because I love baseball. Imagine if a pitcher is throwing a pitch to a hitter and there's no one else on the field. The seven defenders thought that they were at bat, so they're in the dugout. But the pitcher goes ahead and throws the pitch, and the hitter hits it, and there's nobody there. Now imagine in the NFL, there's something called offsides, right? You can't be on the other side. But in a fourth and one, imagine if all the defenders were standing in a goal line situation on fourth and one in a three-point game on their side of the field. They snap the ball and they just walk a yard, sit down, stop the clock and kick a field goal. Are you getting my point? What happens in the NBA if you inbound the ball under your own basket? You have to go all the way down the court. That's the other team's basket, but your basket's right there. All you have to do is inbound the ball and dunk the ball and you get a hoop. You've seen all those inbounds plays in basketball where you try to score on your side. There's one thing that is very common. There are defenders. In the Mavericks-Warriors game, the entire Mavericks team was on the other side of the court waiting to play offense, thinking they had the ball. The ball was given to the Warriors who inbound to themselves with no defenders and dunked the ball it's insanity what happened what happened is is that the mavericks thought it was their ball the warriors thought it was their ball the referees gave the ball to the warriors and the warriors inbounded the ball there were no defenders and that was it so cuban is going to file a protest saying that it was the single worst call in the history of the nba by the way the mavericks who are now below 500 but they got Kyrie Irving. They finally got Luca, as superstar. Way to go, Mark! You really chose the right guy. You gave up a crap load of people and got Irving. Way to go! It's it's worked out swimmingly. First round loss. It's been amazing. Below five hundred. He's gonna file a protest. What he really should be protesting is how crappy his team is and what's happened to the Mavericks since Luca got his running mate. And I think he's gonna win. It costs him 10 grand. You try to protest. Cuban last tried to protest. What was it? A couple years ago, February of 20. They instead fined him 500 grand and he lost. Nobody wins protests in the NBA. There hasn't been a win in like 15 years. It's almost impossible. When Adam Silver gets this across his desk, which he will, you've got to take the two points away and play in overtime because that would mean the game is tied. Here's the problem. In a third quarter, when you give the Warriors two extra points, there's an entire quarter left. Who knows what would happen in the game if the Mavericks had gotten the ball and not the Warriors at that moment. But if you are a referee and the referees have tried to cover their tracks, and that's what really bothered me. The referees covered their tracks and said, hey, we told everyone it was Warriors ball. When we motioned to Dallas, what we were motioning is timeout, and it's going to be charged to Dallas, official timeout. Have you ever seen referees, if you're watching on YouTube, they'll call timeout and they'll point to the bench. Sometimes during a playoff game, they'll call timeout and put their arms out to their sides. That's an official timeout, a TV timeout that doesn't get charged to a team. Now the rule must have changed where even on any official timeouts that somebody's getting charged keep the game rolling. But either way, that's what the referees are saying they did. They're saying that they charged the timeout to the Mavericks, that the ball was the Warriors. But if you are a referee, you've got to have some feel. That's your job. Can you imagine an umpire allowing a pitcher to throw a pitch when there are no people playing the field? Wouldn't the umpire look over and say, hey, you guys want to think about having a center fielder? You don't think the NBA referee has a job to look and say, hey, there's got to be some confusion here. There's no one playing defense. It's absolutely wrong for NBA referees or umpires or anybody who's in charge of a game at a big league level to not recognize when something is so egregious that it's not an analytic strategy. We don't want our umpires questioning where we play our defenders although the shift has been banned, but we don't, don't tell us that. Don't tell us about our batting order, although keep track to make sure we're doing it right. Don't tell us where we play or what pitch we select when it's a ball. And the umpire says, well, I don't think you should have gone with the slider there. I would have gone with the high heat, throw him the heater. But if you see what went on in the Mavericks game, don't you just say, hey, I'm just spitballing here. You want to bring some guys down to play a little D? The Mavericks are 7-11 and since they traded for Kyrie Irving. Is that good? He's missed five games. They're tied with the Lakers for like the ninth and tenth seed, whatever. they'll play in the play-in game. It's just ridiculous. So look for that. As a matter of fact, I was going to say I'm going to do a wait-to-see on this issue. I don't have it officially that I told Coco about. What's the wait-to-see that he files a protest? Of course he's going to do a protest. The real wait-to-see will be whether the protest wins. And the only reason I'm hesitating, even though you know what, Coca, will you add this to our official wait to see document? Because I'm going to have two NBA wait to sees. The first one is that Mark Cuban will file a protest, and he's going to win. That would be epic. The only reason I'm questioning whether or not he can win and whether Silver will make him win is I'm not sure what Silver would do. I'd have to look at the schedule. There's so few games left, but it's such an important game for the Mavericks. Such few games left. How do you replay that? Do you take the two points away or do you just acknowledge the mistake up, but uphold and, and not uphold the protest? Say, yeah, that was wrong. I'm going to do it, Coca. Wait to see. Cuban... Files the protest and actually wins it. Nothing personal pick of the day. I did not give the pick yesterday. Thank you all for noticing. I was going to say the Suns over the Lakers. Thank God I didn't because I didn't realize Scott Foster was the referee in the game. And Scott Foster, when Chris Paul is playing, Chris Paul isn't going to win. The Suns were favored over the Lakers. The Lakers crushed him. There was a huge foul disparity, like 46 to 20. The reason why Scott Foster continues to referee games involving Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns is you don't want there to be any question of integrity. You want referees to be able or umpires to be able to handle every player of every team at every moment. However, all of that said, when Scott Foster has that sort of history, I'm going to really try hard not to put Scott Foster on Phoenix Suns games, but he was there. But I don't get the loss. We're 42-39. and The last official pick we had was Japan over the U.S. in the finals. We had Japan the whole tournament, so we had Japan winning the game. We're 42-39. and Our pick tonight, we're going to basketball. The new Charlotte Hornets under new owner Blankety Blank are getting a touchdown against the Zion Williamson-less New Orleans Pelicans. We're taking the Hornets plus seven. Let's talk about the Pelicans for a minute. Do you still feel like it's, I used to say, I bet you there's 10 different times on this show where I've said I'd rather have John Morant than Zion Williamson. And it was a total slam dunk. Even when Zion was averaging 26 points and seven rebounds this year when he played, when I said that he was going to be a top three MVP, ugh, missed that one. I still thought that John Morant was going to do more for his team that i rather have drafted him first. Then Morant has his issues, and now it's really up in the air as to who's going to do what, when, where, and how. It was announced yesterday that Zion is going to miss two more weeks, but he's cleared to do on-court activities. And it's because of a hamstring that was originally hurt January 2nd and then rehurt when he tried to come back, which I'm not buying because we don't let our players come back from hamstrings early because then it always happens that way. How many times have I mentioned that hamstrings are impossible to deal with? I had the torn hamstring myself. I haven't run in forever because it hurts and I'm gonna make it worse. It doesn't get better without rest. That's the only thing. You can do PT, you can do PRPs, you can do massaging, you can do anything you want. It's rest. So Zion is not gonna play. And the question is, when will he play? You're talking about a guy over his career. Remember, he signed that huge extension, and I didn't understand why at the time. He's missed about 60% of the games of his career. Think about that. He's only played in 40% of the possible games that you can play in. And it's not like he had Tommy John surgery where he had to miss a year because of that. It's various injuries. Maybe he's just still young. Maybe there's a chance that he'll be okay but man, it doesn't seem good, does it? I got a wait to see for Zion that uh, people are, are questioning right now, but I'm going to make it our second official way to see of the day. Zion's done. He's not going to play again in the regular season. If the Pelicans make the playoffs, maybe he plays, but I say he is out for the season. So the official way to see is Zion Williamson will not play again for the Pelicans, even if they make the playoffs. There's something else going on here that is causing the continued delays. There's no doubt that his return would be amazing and be helpful. I just don't see it happening. Okay. Can we talk about Scott Boris for one second, Coca? Would that be okay with you? Just for for a moment here. There's a issue with agents. Agents spend a lot of time and a lot of money to get players, to keep players, to help players out when the majority of that money ends up being a sunk cost because the players don't make it. But you do that. It's like the cost of doing business is you're willing to invest in 20 players, spend money on 20 players because you're not exactly sure who's going to make it, but you need one of the 20 to make it. And the money you make from the one who makes it is going to pay for the amount of money you spent on the 19 who didn't. It's a pretty easy Business in terms of finances. It's easy to understand. Being an agent is extremely difficult. There is no question about it. One thing that agents do to each other that is a cause of great consternation in that business is the concept of poaching. Poaching is when, in a timely manner, you go to a player who you represent and you tell that player who has a teammate who is going to be a free agent or going to hit arbitration. That's when you start getting paid. And you say, hey, I think you should mention how well I do for you. And I think that you should mention how great it would be if he became one of our clients. Think about what we can do for him. And let me tell you what we can do for him. That's poaching, plain and simple. It's when you take a player who's represented by someone else, you manipulate that player into thinking that you're going to do something way better for that player, and that player says to his current agent, see you later, I'm going with the new guy. Scott Boris is the number one poacher because he makes promises to players. Some of them come true. Some of them don't come true. Some of them take years to come true. And when they don't come true, he just ignores it and runs away. When they do come true, he will stand up on the mountaintop and yell to all of his constituents, look what I did for you. My name is Scott Boras. Come into my den. Let me show you the light. Oh. Corbin Burns is a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns is the one who got on the microphone after arbitration and said, "Oh, I'm so sad. I'm only being paid 10.001 million and not 10.75. The Brewers hurt my feelings and now I'm mad. So I'm not going to be a Brewer." Dude, you were never going to be a Brewer. The Brewers were not going to sign you to an extension that you're going to get from another team you don't need to be a genius or have scott boris as your agent to know that and it's not like you were represented by a nobody he left caa to join boris Hmm, interesting timing burns has one more year of arbitration my guess is he said to him hey guess what I'll handle the arbitration way better than that. You're never going to go to the room because I never go to the room. So I promise you that I'm going to get you one deal, no problem, and then we're going to take you to free agency and we're going to kick some ass, man. We're going to get you to a team. We're looking eight, nine years. Don't you worry. We're on it. Makes me laugh, actually. So what'll be interesting to me will be to watch Corbin Burns as he moves along. Because... When players move to Boris, they're doing it for one reason only. They're doing it not to sign an extension with their current team, but to get the most money they can from any team, no matter what. And when you're a pitcher and you want to take advantage of these long deals the pitchers are getting into their late 30s, you're going to just do it. But guess what? The fact is that the other agents don't like the poaching business. And the reason they don't like the poaching business is that because if you're in the poaching business, not only are you going to get poached, but you have to poach. It is just a simple waste. So disappointed in Corbin Burns. When are players going to realize? I guess if owners keep bailing them out, they're going to be fine. All right. In the remaining few minutes I have, I just want to bring one thing up to you. Just for you to think about that Coca does not think anybody is going to focus on because of the issues we have here in our country. And I get it. Believe me, I get it. I've told you the Hotel Rwanda story. Hotel Rwanda where you see the genocide, the Civil War, and you say pass the green beans. I get it. But what happened in Uganda yesterday impacted me personally, and I just want to explain it. That's it. For three minutes, indulge me. There are lawmakers in Uganda. Uganda is an, a, a country in East Africa. I was there this summer where I went guerrilla trekking, spent time in Entebbe, and it was life-changing. I was aware that Uganda was a conservative country. I was not aware because with all the traveling I do, I still don't do the homework that maybe I should to understand the political climate of a particular country. But the fact is that laws were put into motion in Uganda yesterday that call for the death penalty, this is how it was reported, that call for the death penalty for being gay. That's not what happened. What did happen is absolutely horrific and makes it so I cannot go to Uganda again now that I know what I know and that upsets me. But the reality is I will not support a country that is willing to pass a law that is willing to consider a law that is willing to introduce a law that calls for 20 year sentences if you're gay, death sentences if you engage. And here's where I do agree. If you're involved in same-sex rape, they wanna go for the death penalty. Same-sex incest, same-sex lack of consent. Although I happen to believe that if you rape and it's not the same sex, I would still go life imprisonment if not death penalty. I'm extremely against lack of consent. As much as I am in favor of consent, you have to have it, period. It's not gray. No is no under every scenario. And yes, with someone who doesn't have the capacity to say yes is no. There's only one kind of yes. It's the sober yes of I like you, I'm in. But Uganda has passed this law where they are now basically going to start throwing people in jail. And the reason I am upset about that Is what you're really saying to the lgbtq community is that the way you feel the way you are is wrong and we're going to try to legislate you to feel different to be different except why would you not accept people for who they are what is it bothering you because it goes against your values explain to me what is wrong with letting people live their life You've got so many issues in Uganda that we saw. The level of poverty is so significant that you're spending your time passing laws about people's sexual preferences. It's shameful. All right, Coca, thank you. That was three minutes. I told you it'd be three minutes. Guess what? We'll be back tomorrow. I guarantee you that. And make sure you tune in tomorrow. It's going to be a special show. It's just business. This is nothing personal i